Simone.
Good morning, everyone. everybody there we go all right <laughs> well so glad to see all of your faces glad to be able to worship with you today and thank you for all of you joining us online if i've not had the pleasure to meet you yet my name is past adrian pina and we are so glad that you decided to worship here at firewell this morning if we can get you to stand we're going to go ahead and say a word of prayer before we get into worship but i want to read a small passage of scripture to you uh, before we pray in romans chapter 12 Paul, a uh, very famous chapter of scripture, uh, starting at verse 9, Paul talks about all these different characteristics of that mark out the Christian and spiritual life. But in verse 12, he says these three things, which I'd like to encourage you with today, that sound like a really good three-point sermon. He says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be consistent in prayer. Now, if you can remember those three things, you'll be in a good place in your Christian walk. So rejoice in the hope. We have an eternal hope in Jesus. Be consistent in prayer and be patient in tribulation because tomorrow's coming, right? So you made it here, maybe through some tribulation, and we are glad that you are here to be able to worship. So let's go ahead and ask God to just be with us in this place today. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we are so eternally grateful for the opportunity that we have together as brothers and sisters to join in unison to lift up our voices and lift up our hearts because you are the reason why we are here. We rejoice in the eternal hope we have in Jesus, that our hope is not temporal, that our hope is not based upon circumstances, but we have hope of everlasting life that is found only in you. So, Lord, we will rejoice in that today, regardless of the circumstances that may have surrounded our week as we come into this place. So, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts you would open our eyes and attune our ears to the frequency of heaven, to be in communion with you and your spirit today as we worship as broken vessels here for your glory. So may you be glorified with everything that is said and done in this service today. In Jesus' most precious and holy name, we can pray. And the people of God said, amen. Good morning, Firewheel. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control, and in the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. When the solid ground is falling out from underneath my feet, between the black skies and my red eyes, I can barely see when I realize I've been sold out by my friends and my family. I can feel the rain reminding me in the eye of the storm. You remain in control, and in the middle of the I'm running out of faith See the future I picture Slowly fade away And when the tears of pain And heartache Are pouring down my face I find my peace and 
a seat. Um, we're going to have communion this morning. If you have not received your communion elements and you would like to participate in communion, please just raise your hand and uh, one of our ushers will bring uh, that to you. So before you open your communion, we are going to stop and I'm going to ask this morning that we, we take our hands this is going to be a physical picture of prayerfully a spiritual posture. Lord, this morning we approach you in the simplicity of dependency. Lord, we came into this world with nothing. And we will exit this world with nothing. And so this morning, with our hands open, we imagine our whole entire life. Everything that we have in this life is a gift from your hand. All that is good, all that is gracious and kind. But Lord, that's not all we present before you this morning in our hands. We also bring to you the things that are dirty and unclean. 
the impurities of our heart and our mind and our week. Lord, in your word it says that who may approach you, he has clean hands and a pure heart. Well, this morning we ask for fresh and a new cleansing for our hands and cleansing for our hearts. The purifying of our souls, Lord Jesus, through your death, burial, and resurrection, your shed blood for the cleansing of our sins. That in you, Lord Jesus, we stand forgiven, righteous, holy, set apart. And so we ask for fresh cleansing and renewal this morning. And ask that as we take communion, as we remember what you have done for us, Lord Jesus, that it would fill us with a fresh sense of renewal, spiritual renewal. That, Daddy in heaven, we honor your Son. That, Lord Jesus, we worship you. Holy Spirit, please move in and through us as your worshipers as we gather together in your name, Jesus. In the presence of holiness. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for our forgiveness. In your name we pray. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting verse 23, we read these words penned by Paul the Apostle. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so let us open our containers. I'm having some difficulties. All right. Let's take the bread, Lord Jesus, in remembrance, we eat. The verses continue. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ and obedience to his word, we drink. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what have we just done, church? What have we just proclaimed? The Lord's death. In anticipation of what? His return. So let's stand together. That wonderful and fresh cleansing, that spiritual renewal, and let us sing in anticipation of the Lord's return, which could be at this very moment. Wouldn't that be incredible? We were just singing about you. All right, let's join in our voices.
are having a great day so far. If you have been over to the children's building lately, you will notice some changes. We are refreshing and rebranding to Firewheel Kids for an easier visitor experience and to continue to reach and disciple the kiddos at Firewheel. If you are a visitor to Firewheel, we would love to get to know you. Please fill out a guest card and drop it in the offering boxes or hand it to one of our guest services volunteers. If you are visiting us virtually or simply want to reach out online, click on the new to Firewheel graphic on the front page of the website, firewheelfellowship.com. No matter how you get us the info, someone will contact you and help you find out how you can get plugged in and grow here at Firewheel. Need prayer? Would you like someone to pray with you? The prayer room will be open after service and some of our prayer warriors ready and waiting to pray with you. Prayer cards are also available as well as a link on the homepage of the website. The staff, elders, and prayer team pray over all prayer requests received. For more information on these or any of the other things going on around Firewheel, go online to firewheelfellowship.com events, or you can always check us out on social media. Wow! Right? Woo! Uh, thank you. Let, can we just put our hands together to thank Kathy and the worship team? Keep the hands going. Keep them going. I want to thank all of our teachers, Sunday morning Bible study teachers. Keep our hands going. I want to thank all of our children's volunteers. Thank you, Pastor Leah, for loving our kids. Thank you for all you who make student ministry awesome. Thank you for all you who volunteer so people feel welcome on a Sunday morning when they walk in. Let's keep our hands going. 
Hey, and we did a great job gathering together in worship, didn't we? We're owning this thing, right? Hey, coffee shop. All right, who else? Who am I missing? Am I missing somebody else? What? Oh, Pastor Chris. Yeah. Hey, man, I'll take that. Hey, Pastor Adrian, open the service. Man, this is a good Sunday. Okay, so let's talk about money. So, um, <laughs> y'all like how I did that? Yeah, money. Come on. <laughs> so, um, just trying to bring us up to date where we're at financially uh, through the month of January. Um, so, our needed weekly. So, this is again, this is about ownership of where we're at as a church and how we take ownership of the ministry. We, we need roughly about 13.5. We're actually uh, uh, really, I would say frugal. I don't know if that's the right word, uh, but we're conscious of our spending. And we try to do everything we can to maximize with what we receive. Um, but we're about 13.5. Well, what we're averaging right now is about 8.4. So 8,414. So you'll notice there's a pretty big gap between what we need weekly and what we're bringing together, what we're collectively gathering together. And so I'm just gonna ask that you pray, you pray uh, and, and let us continue to take ownership and let us pray about our giving. Uh, if God's putting on your heart to support the work, which by the way is worship. If this is your church, I'm not gonna say you should, but we should uh, gather our resources together to support the work. And so if that's something that's on your heart, you can give online through the offering boxes. Those are those boxes at the back. And as you walk out through the mail, y'all remember mail? 2402 Castle Drive, put a stamp on it. You can mail it in or you can uh, text to give 972-702-7005. So uh, a couple of dates uh, for you to put on your calendar. February 14th is Valentine's Day. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Valentine's Day. Some of us are like, oh, it's just a scam created by greeting card companies and, and flower sales. Well, here's the deal. It's a day set apart for love. And so we're just going to have a straight up love Sunday at Firewheel, okay? It's just going to be a loving mess up in this joint. Uh, and so I want to encourage you, if you know somebody right now today where you're like, they need some love in their life. February 14th, consider inviting them. We're plugging them into the online service because we're just going to lavish copious amounts of love, the love of daddy, all up in this joint. It's going to be awesome. Uh, February 21st uh, is Baptism Sunday. Baptism Sunday. This is a big deal. Uh, for you who have recently given your life to Christ or you're ready to take the next step of like getting in the boat with Jesus, you're like, yes, I'm ready to take my, these next steps. I feel like the Lord is calling me to follow him, then follow him right into the baptismal tub. Okay, so we have a young guy who's already ready. He's like eager to be baptized. Uh, we have, we have a, a gal who just recently, uh, as of August, gave her life to Christ and is growing, and she's ready to be baptized. But if you would like to be baptized, go online, click on the Faith and Baptism tab, fill that out, and I will contact you this week. So baptism, February 21st, February 14th is what? Love Sunday at Firewheel. And uh, let's get into the text. So let's open our Bibles. Never say word. We are in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, and as we've seen over the last two weeks, Jesus entered into the intimacy of disciples' lives, okay, before they were even disciples. 
Because the word itself even means follower. They were not followers yet, but Jesus entered into the boat with them. He got into their lives. We see this in in the lives of Andrew, Peter, James, and John, and Matthew. And he called them by name. And my prayer this morning, as I prayed for you as the church, my prayer was that you would hear the Lord call you by name. That he would call your name. And that you, you would feel this draw towards him that you too would decide, yes, I'm going to get in the boat with Jesus. I am going to follow you, Jesus. And what's crazy to me, which isn't very crazy, by the way, for those of us who do follow when we hear his name, uh, uh, when he, we hear our name and he calls us, the crazy part, when Jesus called the early disciples to follow, what did they do? They followed. We see this in Luke chapter 5, verse 11. This is Peter, Andrew, James, and John. It says, when they had brought their boats to land, they left what? Everything, and they followed him. What caused that type of reaction? Like, what caused them to do that? Jesus called them. Okay? So they left their boats, their nets, and everything. That compared to following Jesus, everything else was lesser. They gave up everything. They walked away to follow Jesus. Well, just in case we think that that's just, like, uh, unique to them, we see in Matthew's life. We see this in, in Matthew chapter, or uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 28. And leaving what? Everything. And followed him. He was at his tax booth. Jesus called him by name. Matthew, follow me. And he did. And you know what? What I don't see in the scriptures is I don't see anywhere where it tells us that it even crossed their minds not to. That when they heard Jesus call, it was the only reasonable thing to do was to follow. And in my opinion, that is the best description of the Christian life. Jesus calls and we follow him. So the question we're going to ask today as it relates to following Jesus, as it relates to Jesus calling us to get in the boat with him, is it safe? Is following Jesus safe? Like, is it safe to get in the boat with Jesus? Now, I know this boat's not safe, so I'm not going to do that anymore. So over the last two weeks, people like quit stepping in the boat. It's not secured. It's going to fall over. Is getting in this boat safe? No. But the question is, is getting in the boat with Jesus, is it safe? Well, let me ask you this. Is getting on a roller coaster safe? Well, yeah, of course it's safe, right? Like, um, what is it? The colossal? Hey, Joe, where's Joe? Did Joe just walk out? Oh, he's right there. You better not have walked out. That's my son. I can talk to him like that. Hey, Joe, was it the colossal? What was the big roller coaster we went on? Titan. So I get on Titan, and, and they, they've got this thing. They've got this lap belt, which I thought was optional, so I didn't buckle that. And then I pulled the lever thing down. Come to find out. <laughs> lap belt's not optional. That's a pretty important component. I learned that after I got off the ride. So we pull it down, and we're going. And if you've never rid, ridden Titan, it is an intense roller coaster. There was a point where I just about blacked out. And, and I was just... And it's safe, right? Roller coasters are safe. Not without the lap belt, which is what the attendant told me when I got off. He's like, that was not safe. But it's safe, right? Well, if it's so safe, why do we scream? Well, we know that from the start to the finish, we're going to make it, but there's some craziness. There's a cri- quite a ride in between, right? How about this? Is skydiving safe? Is it safe jumping out of an airplane with an oversized trash bag on your back? 
No, but we do it. So the question is, is following Jesus safe? Well, I'm going to tell you, there are going to be some times where we're going to scream, and there's going to be some times where we have to jump. Matthew chapter 5, or Matthew 8, verse 23, we're going to read it, then we're going to pray, and then we're going to take it apart. And when he got into the boat, who is he? Jesus. So Jesus is in the boat. His disciples did what? Followed him. And behold, there arose a great windstorm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped and swallowed by the waves. But he was what? He was taking a nap. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Ooh. Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and the men marveled. And they said, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? So, Lord, we approach you together. And, and, and Lord, in my hands, here's the message. Lord, we pray for this message this morning. In my frail hands, it is nothing but crusty bread and two stinky fish. But in your hands, when you take it, when you bless it, when you break it, we leave satisfied. And so, Lord, please take this message. Use it for your divine purposes. Bring about the renewal and life change that you see fit in us and what we need from you this morning. You know what we need at the intimacy and the cellular level of our souls. And we ask this by faith in your name, Jesus. Amen. And so Jesus had just completed a long day of ministry, and he was fatigued, and he was tired, and it was time for he and the disciples to cross the Sea of Galilee. They had some divine appointments on the other side of the lake, which seemed like a pretty normal day. Okay, there was nothing really abnormal or out of, out of whack about that. And so the disciples followed Jesus into the boat, verse 23. When he got in the boat, his disciples followed him. Now, time and again, I read through the scriptures, specifically the Gospels, and they followed him. I've begun to underline that as I read through the Gospels, because time and again, we read that that is what the disciples did. And that is what the word disciple means in itself. It means to be a follower. And so as I, as I think about that, as we boil down our faith at the cellular level, how do we sum up our Christian life in one statement? What are we as Christians called to do? Well, you say that, but you know what's interesting is we're often inclined to start rattling off a list. What are we called to do? Well, we're called to serve and go to church and read our Bibles, be baptized, love God, love others, make disciples, share the gospel, grow, give, love our spouses, train up our kids, be of service to others. Uh, we put all kinds of stuff in there. There's a lot of things we can put within that statement, but if we're really to boil it all down, what are we called to do every single day? Follow Jesus. That is the simplicity of the spiritual life. It is to follow Jesus. Did you know that's why we're called his followers? If Jesus were on Instagram, he'd have more followers than anyone else in history. Amen? And I hope we're some of them. Jesus calls us to follow him, no matter how mature we get in the faith, no matter how much of the Bible we know, no matter how many amazing things that we have done from, for God, for to boil it all down, our identity is wrapped up in the reality that we're just called simply to follow Jesus. 
And these disciples followed Jesus right into the boat. I love how verse 24 opens with two words, and behold. I love the word behold. It's like a, it's a literary device. It's, it's, it's saying, hey, listen up. Something is about to happen or something is about to be said that's really important. And sometimes it's like a really good behold, right? Like we experience good beholds. Like, behold, I just got an unexpected check in the mail, right? That's a great behold. Sometimes it's like not a, it's not a good behold. It's like, behold, a pipe and the, and the ceiling broke and it flooded the downstairs, that's a bad behold. So the question is, what kind of behold are we going to behold as we behold what's about to happen? Well, it's not a good behold. It's not the greatest behold because, behold, there was a great what? Storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves or literally swallowed. Now, the Sea of Galilee is known for sudden storms that come without warning. But that isn't just the Sea of Galilee, is it? No, in fact, our lives are known for sudden and violent storms, like relational storms, where everything is calm, and then our wives ask, does this make me look fat? There's only one answer, gentlemen. I love you with my whole heart. You are the love of my life, and you're perfect. Is that still wrong? See what I'm talking about? Everything's fine. Then there are spiritual storms where our faith gives way underneath our feet. Where circumstantially it just feels like the bottom has dropped out. Emotional storms where within there's just this raging sea of emotions. And so just out of curiosity, have you ever been so emotionally swamped and swallowed that it's hard to breathe? Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced a relational storm where you're swamped, where like that old song, like two literally becomes the loneliest number? Have you ever experienced like a spiritual swamping where we start to believe, like we look around and we're like, we're never going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? There are times where we're going to be swamped and we're going to get in over our heads and and things that are just completely out of our control and we're at the mercy of proverbial winds and waves. And you know what? It can be very scary. This life can be very scary. And one of my favorite lines in the midst of the storm, and it's just because of the contrast it creates, it's like this beautiful irony, like, right? Like in the middle of this raging storm, where is Jesus? But he was asleep. You know what that tells me? I never really thought about that, this until I was like studying this week. Jesus was a really sound sleeper, right? Like I never really thought about that, but if he's able to sleep through wind and waves and storm and all that, he's a pretty sound sleeper. Now, the question we have to ask is what were the disciples doing? They certainly weren't sleeping. And in fact, they were in complete disbelief that Jesus is asleep. What did they assume? What did they assume in the middle of the storm when they look over and Jesus is asleep? Let's imagine he's asleep and it's raging, but we're here and we're panicking. What did they assume? He doesn't care. And then from that, they extrapolate that we're going to die. 
Jesus took us out into the middle of the lake to kill us. But what they didn't realize and what we need to realize is that Jesus was actually teaching them. A disciple is a learner, okay? And when we follow Jesus, he's going to teach us. And they had a lot to learn. This would not be the only storm they would face on the lake. In fact, there would be a time, just like now, Jesus is in the boat, but he's asleep, and there's a storm. There's going to be another time where the disciples are in the boat, but Jesus is up on a hillside praying, and a storm hits. They're not going to have Jesus physically in the boat with them, but Jesus is going to come walking out on the water. But then there was going to be a day when Jesus would suffer and die on the cross, he'd be buried and rise, then he would ascend to heaven, but they would still be going through the chaos and the storms as they walked by faith, but Jesus would not physically be with them, and they would have to cling to what Jesus declared in Matthew 28, verse 20, I am with you always. And that's how our faith is being developed. There was a time in my early Christian life where I just like, there was this closeness that I was just like, okay, yes, I feel your presence. And there have been times in my life where I don't feel it as, as intimate and it gets scary, but I have to cling to this reality that he is with me always. He is with you always. See, class is in session and we're all learning to live more and more by faith, not by what we see. Because you see, what we see with our literal eyes can actually lie to us. The disciples saw wind and waves, and they concluded that they were going to die, that God didn't care about them. It's just like the children of Israel. I was reading that this week as I'm going through the book of Exodus. At one point in time, the children of Israel, to the, to the back, they had the sea, the Red Sea. They, they were backed up against the Red Sea, and there was the Egyptian army marching towards them, and they were convinced, we're going to die. That God has led us out here to kill us, never once considering that God had actually laid a road right through the middle of the Red Sea. And there's these times in our life where we're convinced we're going to die and, and we're backed up against this thing and we, there's no way and we forget that God has called us and we're following him. And he's going to see us through. Matthew eight twenty five. So they went and they woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. Were they really? I mean, really, were they perishing? Were they going to die? I mean, that would be crazy. Jesus is like, all right, hey, get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. I'm <laughs> just kidding. You're going to die in the middle. But I can hear their agony. And I can, I can actually feel that fear. Because there's been times in my life where I have felt that. Save me, Lord. We are perishing. Save my marriage, God. It's perishing. Save me, Lord. I'm going down. And I don't know if you're, are you good? I mean, if you were, why? Do you even hear my prayer? You know, it's very easy to look in on the disciples and be like, what were they so scared about? I've been on a boat in the middle of the ocean in, in rough seas. 
And I'm like putting myself within the disciples' shoes, and I'm kind of thinking about like what my reaction, like if I was like, if I was really there that day, I'm trying to, what would my reaction be? I'm going to die! Like I'm pretty sure, not 100% positive, but I'm almost positive that would be my reaction. And the question could be asked in our own lives, what Jesus is about to ask. Family, please don't lose this. Crisis can convince us to believe things that are not true and to forget things that are. Crisis can lead us to believe that God is not good or he doesn't care or he's not going to see us through. And we forget that he will not leave us nor forsake us, that the Lord is good. He's kind and he's gracious and he is with us. And he will see us through. And so Jesus, in verse 26, he asks these questions. Why are you so afraid, O you of little faith? What I see here, as faith decreases, fear increases. Do you all see that correlation there? Or as fear increases, faith decreases. Why are you so afraid? Well, I look at that, and I'm like, it's pretty obvious, right? We're in the middle of the water. It's dark. There's a storm. The boat is being swamped. We can't bail it fast enough. Why are we afraid? Because everything around us is telling us that everything is falling apart. Why are we afraid? I know we're not supposed to admit this in the church, but we're scared. I know we try to act on, like, we put on a good face. Oh, I'm not scared. <laughs> what do I have to be scared about? Oh, I don't know. Were you alive during 2020? Are you conscious and aware right now? I, I watch the news for the 30 minutes I'm on an elliptical at the gym, and what I see on those two TVs, I don't even have the audio. I'm just reading what's going on down below. I'm like, that is enough to be terrified. Can we all just drop the charade? Can we stop acting like we've got our spiritual life more together than we actually do? Let's just stop pretending. Wouldn't that be awesome? If we could just walk up to each other and be like, you know what, this week I lived in fear. And it was scary, and I'm scared. And then we actually like, brought our mask down and went, you know what, me too. Let's pray about that together. Let's open some scripture together. Let's quit pretending. We're the great pretenders, the Christian. And it's bizarre, we don't have to. We actually don't have to pretend. So at times our faith can feel real small. And I love how Jesus asked, oh, you of little faith. You will notice that Jesus did not say, oh, you of no faith. A little bit of faith can become great faith when it's planted in the right place. A little faith can become great faith when it's planted in the right place. And what Jesus was doing was putting these disciples in circumstances to have their faith tested, to reveal how little it is, to then challenge them to have it planted in the right place. When we take a little bit of faith, like a mustard seed, and we plant it in the fertile soil of everyday life of following Jesus throughout it all, what will happen is our faith will grow. 
And I just want to say this, just because we're fearful does not mean we don't have any faith. It just means at that moment we have a little bit of faith. It's easy to become critical of self and others. Why don't you have any faith? Why are you in fear? Because things are scary. But just because it's small does not mean we have none. And I will say it's really easy to have a lot of faith when seas are calm. Isn't it? Everybody's healthy, got money in the account, got food in the fridge, got a job, everything's groovy. I'm going to take a vacation, got the boat gassed up. Man, I I got all the faith in the world. I can't believe those people don't have more faith. Did you know that our faith grows more in rough seas than calm? Because guess who we trust in when seas are calm? Ourselves. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, why would we rejoice and have joy over trials? Because we know. We know something that the rest of the world doesn't. We don't just hope that, that, oh, it's all going to be better tomorrow. We know that something good is coming from it, that God can take things that aren't good, and he can use them for good. And one of the ways that he utilizes these testings and these trials in our life is to actually grow our faith and give us spiritual endurance. And from that spiritual endurance comes greater hope. And I see that. I see that in the lives of older saints. Like their their faith has been seasoned over time. Like I talk to some of our older saints and they talk about like going in for major heart surgery like they're getting their tires rotated. Yeah, they're going to just blow my chest open and kind of plow through some of the arteries or whatever, put some stents in. And yeah, I'll be out by the afternoon. I'd be like, the doctor tells me that. You're going to do what to my heart? But what has happened? They have seen God time and again be faithful through their life. They've gone through the trials and the difficulties and the adversities, and their faith has grown over time. Matthew 8, verse 26, I love what Jesus does here. He does not, they do not need to fear. He rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was what? A great calm. From a great storm to a great calm. Who has absolute power and authority over the storms of our life? Who has absolute authority and power over the storms of our life? Come, could you guys just say a little bit more enthusiasm? Amen. Who has absolute power and authority over the storms of our life. That's wonderful. But it's hard to hold on to that. But I will say this, we have something that others don't, because in Jesus, we can have peace within, even when the circumstances aren't peaceful, because I'm going to tell you right now, storms of this life are going to happen whether you have Jesus or not, but the difference is, when you are in the boat with Jesus, he is with you in the storm. But when we are not in the boat with Jesus, we are in the storm by ourselves. That's terrifying. 
Because the one who has power and authority over the storms of our life, we are not walking with him. So we are left with the power and authority of our own lives. For years, for years, I had a raging tornado within, beneath the surface. See, the world could be going crazy, but if you got peace in here, that's a great calm, isn't it? I did not. I had a smile. Everything's great. I did the great Christian thing, you know. How are you doing today? Oh, good. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But inside, it was like a raging storm. And you know what it took? It took some radical, authentic surrender and asking for help. And I can honestly tell you today, through a growing daily relationship with Jesus, through some radical intervention in my life, I've experienced greater and greater times of inner peace and calm and serenity and stability and real miracles. And there's times where I'm going, I should be tripping out right now, but there's a calm. At this moment, the disciples learned just a little bit more about this Jesus they were following. Because Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, figure me out. Because they didn't have them all figured out. And we have this, this, uh, this idea that somehow we need to have Jesus all figured out before we start following him. We start with what we got. Verse 27, it says the men marveled. Marvel, it's such a marvelous word, right? It means to be filled with wonder and amazement and astonishment. If we are not occasionally filled with wonder and awe and amazement, if we're not occasionally astonished with the work of Jesus in our own life or the work of Jesus in others' lives, we we are spending too much time apart from him. Because we should marvel at the power and authority and the work of God, not only in our life, but in the lives of others. And I love what they say in in amazed wonder. What sort of man is this that even wins and see obey him? He has authority over creation. In other passages, he has authority over sickness. He has authority over, over the demonic. He has authority over death. And what the question does, and what I love about this question, is it reveals that there's always more to learn. The idea that we're going to know everything about Jesus before we follow him, it's unrealistic. I personally, from my own experience, because I can only talk from my own experience, I've been following Jesus for 20 years. And I can tell you today that every day I'm learning. Like there's something new, something more, something more about Jesus I didn't know the day before. There's, there's something more, like a, a different part of who our Father in heaven is, something more about the Holy Spirit, something new from the Scriptures, something fresh from experiences with others as I hear other people share their spiritual experience. Like yesterday I was sitting here, check out this nugget I got at a Bible study. Y'all want, this is totally free of charge. Y'all ready for this? So I'm sitting in a Bible study. I'm at Rose's Cafe, which, by the way, has amazing tortillas. I, they're just delicious. Do you all agree with that? No? Yes? Right? That's a good homemade tortilla. Or 
restaurant-made tortilla. Anyway, so I'm sitting there in a Bible study, and the conversation is about forgiveness and how to reconcile with somebody when there's conflict. And I know none of—like, I was sitting there, I was like, I obviously don't relate to this at all. Uh, and I know none of us do. But it, just imagine, just theoretically, we're, we're sideways with somebody. And this guy, he just shared, like he was just sharing something that he had learned. And he said that he has learned that conflict can actually lead to greater intimacy in a relationship. Because through conflict, we actually have to learn how to do the things like forgive and extend grace and, and lavish love. And, and we have to fight through all of that. And we come back together. And you know what? The relationship's worth it. And we fight through it. And you fight through it. And you fight through it. And I was thinking about my best friend, Jason. Like, we have fought through some stuff, man. We've been friends for a long time. He has seen the absolute worst. I've seen the absolute worst. But somehow, we still call each other. He's in Alaska, but we still talk. And we have this friendship. But then I started thinking, you know what? I've got this amazing relationship with my wife named Madeline. And, and I started thinking about it. I'm like, whoa, if, if conflict can actually lead to greater intimacy, we should have the, like the most intimate relationship on earth. <laughs> right? We can have some conflicts. We're like really good at that part. But I walked away and I said, you know what? God takes and makes all things good. And he's taken that conflict and he's leading to greater intimacy. Isn't that a good word? I learned something yesterday and I got to share that with you. There's always something more to learn in the spiritual life. We begin by following Jesus. We begin by following with what we've got. He's never promised to teach us everything at once. We learn over a lifetime. And you know what? You know what I love about this passage? Guess what the disciples continue to do? They got out of the boat and they kept following Jesus. Some people face one storm and they're done. Seas got rough. I'm not following him no more. But isn't it incredible that when we see the Lord be faithful and we go through the storm and we get to the other side and we say, you know what, I'm going to still follow him. Is following Jesus safe? In the same way that a roller coaster is safe, right? You buckle into his sovereign will, buckle in. <laughs> I learned that on Titan. But it's going to be a wild ride. Is skydiving safe? In the Christian life, we eventually have to, we just have to jump. And we have to trust that he's got us. I feel like in the Christian life, we shy away from anything risky. Please don't tune out with this. We shy away from things that are risky. We take more risk in the stock market. I feel like more people are kicking themselves for not having the foresight to invest in GameStop. Oh my gosh, I could have had a 400% return in a week. We're spending money we don't even have. You know how, <laughs> I, okay, I was spending money I don't even have. We're willing to risk more in the stock market and thinking than we are risking of getting in the boat with Jesus. We're not ever kicking ourselves like, dang it, I wish I got in the boat sooner. 
Like, can we risk more? Can we just be a little riskier with the Christian life? Can we step out just a little bit more? Can we risk a little bit more in our relationships? Can we serve a little bit more? Can we give more of our life to him? Because sometimes we treat the Christian life, you know, like, oh, I got my eternal retirement set up. I've got my spiritual golden retriever and uh, my spiritual slippers. Keep it in a nice little box. (laughs) And then Jesus is like, hey, follow me. What is that, a boat? Is it safe? Are you going to get in the boat? Are you going to risk it? Are you going to follow him? If the answer is yes, welcome to the average, normal, everyday Christian life. That's all that is. So let's talk through some spiritual recommendations. Because what are you going to do this week, right? we got to do something with this. Let's not just walk out of here and be like, oh, that was cool. What are you going to do? What decisions are you going to make? The first spiritual recommendation that that comes to mind is what are we called to do? Like simply, what is the answer? Follow Jesus. (laughs) Make a conscious decision to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus into a Bible study. Follow Jesus into a place of service. Follow Jesus into a small group. Follow Jesus, I don't know, where. oh, into the Bible in the morning. Did you know the Bible works on other days other than Sundays? (laughs) True, it's open all the time. Follow Jesus at home. Follow Jesus at work. Follow Jesus online. Follow Jesus in line while at the grocery or picking the kids up at school. Follow Jesus on the roadways. Follow Jesus at work. Follow Jesus in your relationships and your friendships. Follow him in the morning, in the noon, in the afternoon. Follow him in the evening. Make a conscious decision this week. Let's make a conscious decision to say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus today. Can we follow Jesus together? Wouldn't that be cool if, that, if people asked, hey, hey what, what's Firewall all about? You know what? We follow Jesus together. That's what we do. My encouragement is make a conscious decision to follow Jesus this week. When swamped, here's something that's insanely practical. Would you all like something that's just absolutely insanely practical? No? Do you all need to stretch real quick? Here, let's stand up. I got, these things are important. This is easy. All right, let's stretch. Okay, have a seat. Take a deep breath. When swamped, stop. When swamped, stop. Here's what I mean by that. 
There are times where we're going to get swamped and swallowed, relationally, spiritually, emotionally. The disciples were convinced they were going to die. Family, that is not the time to make major life decisions. Any decision that the disciples made in that moment would have been entirely rooted in fear. We're going to die in panic. People will sell off homes, break off relationships, change churches, move, quit a job, fire off an email, post something on Facebook. Fear can motivate us to do a lot of crazy things. Actions that guaranteed we will regret later. When we make decisions in fear, guaranteed we will regret them later. 100% positive. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus is in the boat with us, or we're in the boat with him. So if you're swamped today, or if you're swamped this week, it is time to stop, and it is time to pray, and it is time to breathe, and it is time to spend some time in Scripture and to slow down and don't make any major life decisions. Amen? Okay. And then finally, what sort of man is this? It's a great question. That is the spiritual life. It begins right where we're at. You're not going to have it all figured out. Some people are like, well, I need to know more about Jesus till I give my life to him. I'm like, here's the deal. Here's what you need to know. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he's risen from the grave. And the Bible declares that if you tr place your trust in him, you believe in Jesus, you will be forgiven of your sins. You will receive eternal life. That is where it begins. And throughout the rest of our spiritual life, we continue to grow and to learn. What sort of man is this? Isn't it wonderful? We get to learn more and more every single day, and we get to do it together. Now, the final question that we're going to ask, and this is where we pick up next week, is it costly? <laughs> is getting in the boat with Jesus costly? No, not really. I mean, it just costs us everything but we receive everything. Lord, we thank you for this morning and the privilege together. We've been able to worship together, to raise our voices together, to take communion together. We have been able to pray together and to read your word together. We get to serve together. We get to study together. We get to love one another. We get to, to give. We get to uh, take this message out. But Lord Jesus, when we boil it all down, we get to follow. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask for that spirit, that, that heart, that we would just be followers this week. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you have not given your life to Jesus, and you feel like the Lord is calling you by name, and if you're asking the question, how do I know? You just know. If you feel like he's calling you by name in the quietness of your heart, tell him, Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died for me. I believe you were buried, and I believe you've risen. Please, Jesus, save my life. If that is truly your heart's prayer, the Bible declares you've passed from spiritual life to spiritual, or from spiritual death to spiritual life. The Holy Spirit has come into your life. You are a new creation. Your spiritual life has just begun. If you're here this morning and you feel like the Lord is calling you by name to get in the boat, to get serious about your spiritual life in the quietness of your heart, tell him, Lord, I commit to do that. I've heard you call me and I'm gonna follow you.
Lord, stir in us greater faith and put us in circumstances so it'll grow. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's stand. You hear how I inserted that last part? Put us in circumstances so it'll grow. You ever heard somebody say, don't pray for patience? I am with you always, says the Lord. Now go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, you are loved. Now let's carry that love outside these doors. Have a wonderful week.